What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, my name is Tim Kroll, and I'm the co-host focused on the topic of leadership here on the B2B Made Simple podcast. We have an exciting conversation coming, so let's not waste any time and jump right in. Hey, welcome back. My goodness, we've had a slew of awesome individuals that we've had the chance to interview, talk about leadership. Uh, actually, if you've been following along, you talked to Quincy. Um, she's actually in one of the groups that we have, Play Don't Pause. Betty is also a part of this group. I am so thankful to be a part of that. I have to give credit out to Alan. So Alan, if you're listening, he started that. So thankful that we got that because we've got some incredible people in there. Betty is our guest today. She is the president, official founder of uh Newberry, I like kind of like that word because it's like Newberry Award winner. That that's a thing that's in the past anyway. So Newberry uh, PR, obviously pub, public relations and marketing, uh, and just to be completely transparent with you guys, I have hired her and she has given me some incredible case studies. Um, and if you are on my newsletter, you're probably going to get it. So just wait for that. <laughs> it was my plug for the newsletter, right? Um, but anyway, I'm so excited because the topic that we're going to talk about today is the power of choice. Yes, there's going to be a little bit about accountability, uh, especially the authentic type accountability, but it is all about the power of choice. And I find that this is so true in our lives Every day we get up, we have a choice, whether it's a choice in how we're at our attitude, how we're going to show up at work. There's always, always a choice. Um, so I'm excited. Betty, I'm going to turn it over to you. Obviously, with every show, we do want to hear a little bit about your journey, how you became who you are, not just what you do, but man, what makes you you? What makes you tick? And then what are the lessons? And then we'll kind of just do some practical application here at the end of it. Well, thank you so much, Tim. It's going to be great to have this conversation with you. I'm excited about it and I'm glad that we were able to connect through Alan's group. So congratulations to Alan on pulling us all together. But I thought about it as I was reflecting on that question and I realized that when I was about eight, I started doing a lot of writing and I used to write a newsletter for my family. I know it sounds really silly, but we all had a great sense of humor and <laughs> I started to write up a newsletter. It was called the York Avenue Yeller that's the street that we lived on. And I would hand draw pictures that went along with the stories. But sometimes I, my mom and dad would save all of like the outtakes of photos and they would be crazy photos of, you know, like, you know, photos that were shaky or some kind of thing like that. Mm. And I would make up stories around the photos. And pretty soon that became greeting cards that I would do. And everyone would always want to get a greeting card from me because I would have like a funny poem that I would, you know, intersperse all these words in about them. And then I would certainly do like a, a fake story or something about them using their photos or the <laughs> outtakes of photos. <laughs> and my, my mom saved them. So they're really funny. I want to scan them. And I bet you people would laugh at them, even though you don't even know what my family is about. But 
So I realized. No, as- I love that though, because that's, that tells me something so interesting. I mean, like those are the kinds of things that you sit around at the family table, campfire, whatever. And you just kind of remember that's really, really cool. Yeah. I, I'm actually curious now. Let me know when you scan them. Cause I want to look at them. I'm, I'm really curious. <laughs> yes, I, I know you would find them humorous, you know? So I realized that as a, I'm almost, I just turned 57. So if you think about it, if I was doing that when I was eight, and let's say I'm going to be 58 next year. So for 50 years, I've been writing newsletters. And how many newsletters have I written for clients, you know? So I realized that I loved writing. I loved art. And I also loved to do homework at a very special desk that we had in our reception room. And that desk has since followed me to all my offices. Mm. And it's actually at home right now in my home office. But it's called a writing desk, but it was a, the kind of place where if I went to go do special homework or to write a term paper or to type something, I would often find myself sitting at that at that very desk that's been in our family for a long time. And I would have my dad's dictionary and my dad's thesaurus. And like to me, like that, I still have that here, but until the internet took over, I didn't need to use them anymore. But um, you know, that's what I that's what I did. So I think that I've been preparing myself for this business that I'm in ever since I was a kid. Yeah. You know, it's really cool that you kind of identified a skill and a talent and in, in our world. And when I'm talking about leaders, I often talk about finding your purpose and finding your calling and and seeing that direction. Very, very few individuals know from an early age and very few have that ability to be able to run with it throughout their entire 50. I mean, that's an awesome track record. And I, I actually have a lot of questions that already came up, but I, I'll let you kind of keep going through this because I, I, okay, <laughs> it sounds a little bit like you might be a little bit of an introvert, which is really kind of cool because most leaders are thought of as extroverts. And I'm really anxious to kind of talk a little bit about how to be a leader as an introvert. I'm thinking, I'm not sure yet, but let's see how, let's see how the conversation goes. Oh my goodness. You must have ESP because <laughs> I'm telling you, I was just thinking about how shy I was. Mm. And now people who know me now say there's no way that you were a shy right. person, but everyone calls me Betty. That's my nickname. But in school, I was always Elizabeth. You know, they always had to call you by your real name, mm. my actual, you know, long name. And I remember being so afraid if the teacher was going to call on me and how would I get up and talk? I was so scared. But and at home, I'd be fun, you know, and, and outgoing. But in certain circumstances, I was definitely shy. So fast forward, I got involved in theater. And that's what I actually went to college for was theater. But um, so theater really kind of helped me to get out of my shyness, to be on a stage, to to be practicing that. I was always dancing, like my sister and, and I took dance lessons and we would do recitals, but that's not the same as getting up and actually talking. Mm-hmm. And then I got involved in Toastmasters later on in life. But so the, the, one of the circumstances that got me to where I am today is that when I was in college, I was a second semester freshman and I took my first class on public relations and I fell absolutely head over heels in love. I said, wow, this is everything that I've always done and have been interested in, which is I was going to be an English teacher. I was going to be a theater teacher. I was going to be a writer. I loved grammar. I loved art. And I loved even things like sociology and psychology. I wasn't really like following a business track, but here I am, an entrepreneur, business owner. And all through the years, I have developed those skills, but all of those skills combine 
in my field of PR. Because even some of the presentation skills is like public speaking, or I find myself coaching my clients on how to do public speaking and make presentations and things along that line too. training my staff, you know, that's another thing. And it all sort of came together in that field of PR. And I said, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. And the guy who was teaching the class, I wanted to be him. And I found out later in life that he was an adjunct professor and he was not that much older than me, but he was an account person at an agency. Hmm. And so that is the path that I have taken all of my, all of my working life is only really working at agencies because I like to juggle a lot of different things. I think Hmm. that if I worked in a corporate setting, I would get bored, but (laughs) in in an agency setting, I can work on all kinds of different clients corporate and otherwise, nonprofit, creative, fun, boring, serious, scary, you know, you name it, the clients are all varied. And um, it really has impacted my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Golly, I think this is because here, 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 let me let me kind of express this because I've, I've done a lot in leadership. And I know that this podcast, we focus on leadership, and we'd really look at this. But here's, here's the questions. And maybe we can go down this path. And I'll kind of fire back and get your opinion on these things. Number one, society tells us that most leaders are extroverts. That's kind of like the model. It's like the stereotypical image of what a leader is, is somebody that's a very extroverted type individual loves to be able to spotlight has lots of influence because of that spotlight, right? But in reality, and this is now speaking because we have, I think there's going to be two people that are listening to this. Number one are those that feel and identify with you. Like I am the exact same way. I, I grew up, I was very shy. I was very much an introvert. I really didn't. So the question that they're going to be asking is, I don't believe that I'm a leader, but yet I see Betty or I'm hearing about Betty's story and Betty is a leader, so therefore I can be a leader. How do I get to be a leader like Betty? On the other hand, we have individuals who are the strong extrovert type leaders that are training their staff that maybe have Betty in their staff. And they're like, I don't relate. I don't know how to be able to draw out this leadership from this introvert person that is on my staff that I really need them to step up. Can we walk down that path with you? Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you take whichever question you want first, but I think that's going to be really key, uh, especially listening and, and those that are listening, because I think that's that's a big question. That's a lot of things that people look at and they just don't associate an introvert as a leader. Right. And I think, you know, when talking of the power of choice, right? So I think getting back to that, you could say, well, if you're the, the head of a team that you're trying to bring out uh, something into your employees that you don't know whether they have it or not, I say... It's all about giving them the opportunity and almost testing them, right? So try, try to bring them a challenge that they can achieve, but underneath your wing. So like almost when they could fail or succeed and it would be okay either way. Whereas you're not just going to throw them like, you know, off the side of a boat and say, go swim, but you might put them in a pool and you might be standing in the pool with them and helping them, you know, so that you're, you're testing them out, but you're really trying to see how far can they take this? What kind of skills do they have? Are they ready for this? You know, as a leader, it's your job to make sure that they're ready. So you have to test them all the time when they don't know that they're being tested mm. and they really feel like that's what they're doing. Now, if you're also faced with someone like a real go-getter who wants to be in the spotlight all the time and 
that's the, say that's a good sign of leadership say you know maybe it's not because sometimes i don't feel that it is sometimes the leader has to take a step back and let the mm. other people shine and be okay with that you have to be comfortable with that you know and you have to know when to say when right you have to know when to allow them to do that and that's really built, bringing out the leadership in others so if you have someone that's really can I pause you there? Sorry, because you yeah. said something that's really key. Because when you say about the leadership is really about bringing something else, bringing out of something that's in somebody, you know, in essence, that's really true coaching. You know, if you look back at some of the great leaders that were coaches on basketball teams, football teams, their whole purpose was to draw out the greatness that was inside. Yeah, I believe that's exactly what you're talking about here is when you add that test, Maybe we could do some practical application. I don't know if you've got like a real life experience on this, a story along that, but what is that? How do you draw out their greatness? And obviously to be able to draw that greatness out, you have to test them. You have to yeah. give them some things that they are saying, yep, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this, but you can draw it out by giving them a little bit of a challenge. So um, maybe we can do a, uh, I don't know, I'll let you take over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll come up with something. <laughs> I'm sure that there will be a story that comes up that, you know, may, may even come to mind as we go along. But, um, you know, I think that it, when I look back on my leadership times, like um, I have, I, I was a leader of, a, of an organization for the past three years. Uh, you know, 35 employees, uh, $4 million operation. Um, so much larger than mine. Okay. And I needed to pick the next leader. I, well, I didn't need to pick the next leader. I needed to identify who the person is going to be that's going to take over after I'm no longer the president of this board. And right, right away, that was like one of my first tasks. Now, no one knew I was working on that. I had three years. But through those three years, I started, if there was a crisis, I would go to a certain person and ask them, well, what do you think I should do? What, what would you do if you were me? Mm. And I, they weren't me. And of course, it, was, it fell on me. But I would ask them and I would test them that way. I would throw some things out at board meetings and, and let them discuss and sort of see who came to the rescue of the team or that sort of thing. And I had been working on these people for three years and they did not know it. So fast forward to three years, going, getting close to it, when I had to ask the person if they wanted to take over, I had two people that I had narrowed it down to. And I said to the person that I really wanted, you know, are you ready? Are you ready for this? And they said, they weren't. And then I said, well, you think about it. I want you to think about it, but I think that you're ready. And I think that you should think about it. So a few months later, I talked to them again and they said that they were ready. They were ready to take it on. And I said, good, because I picked you about three years ago, <laughs> you know, and, and then that's, that's, how they that's actually a really, really powerful lesson. I mean, it talks about foresight and that's the way leaders look is they look at it. Okay. What's going to happen? Cause you immediately were preparing. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Dungy, but that was, that's his style. That's his leadership style about how do I get the next person up? Because you're always working yourself out of a position. So Man, I love that idea of foresight, training your next person, using those tests to be able to look at that and say, okay, I can bring this person in. And just from coaching a couple of different clients, and there's two different approaches to this. And I just feel like there's a little bit of clarity that's needed. One, a lot of times you can find your leaders inside of your, uh, your employees or people that you already have. That's one. Two, sometimes you can't. And so sometimes the testing part of it, you may find that they're not ready or they're not capable. So you have to keep that in mind as you're looking at, but I love the idea of testing. 
Yes, yes. And it's safe testing, you know, so mm -hmm. it's not really if it's critical or not critical. I mean, you are there to be, you know, the person who's over them with their with your wings open, <laughs> yep. you know, um, but let them fly, you know, let mm -hmm. them fly on their own. And I'm a bird person. Of course, I, I own a bird. I own a parrot. So, of course, I like bird analogies. <laughs> mm -hmm. But Tony Dungy, is he a football guy? Yeah, he was the coach yeah. of the Colts. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a book called Mentor Leader. It's one of my top five leadership books. It's an incredible book. He talks about the next man up philosophy and about how you you valued as an individual. But if you leave tomorrow, we've got the next man up. That's the whole point of it. Constantly training your replacement. Yeah, um, love sports. Love sports analogies. Of course, I'm a Bill Belichick person because of the Patriots and mine. <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> but, I mean, he's a perfect example, right? He's a leader, but he does not seem to be very outgoing, mm -mm. you know, like say, um, he doesn't put that out there. I'm sure he's a much different person around his own players and, and off of the camera, but you know, that's the, that's what he's doing out there, you know, but yeah. he's, yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you don't make it, you know, you look at, I mean, Tom Brady left us. Yeah. You know, well, but, and it's interesting too, because if you ever watch him in any of his press conferences, the guy says, Hey, why did you lose? Well, we didn't play good enough. <laughs> what do you <laughs> yeah. want me to say? We didn't play good enough. He never right. blames anybody else either. That's what is always amazing about his press conference. It's always, True. it's our team didn't play well. We made too many mistakes. We fumbled yeah. the ball. We did. And it's always about them taking responsibility for their own actions, which is. Right. We didn't execute, right? They it, always say that. We didn't execute. Yep, yep exactly. So, exactly. We had a choice. We, we could come to the game today or we didn't come to the game today in our minds mentally so we didn't yep. win you know and it's the same thing in the business setting really i mean isn't that what a leader's job to do is is to coach you know mm -hmm. and and i think the thing about the choice i say a key leader makes decisions all day long i mean you follow me around and look at all the decisions that i have to make in a day i mean that's basically what i do it's all about making decisions you know and then you have to live with those decisions. Are they yeah. good decisions? Are they bad decisions? Sometimes I say, what kind of, in order to make someone, like you said, who's listening to say, can I make, can I be the person who can make the right decision? Well, the key is you can only make decisions with the information that you have at hand. So when you, you have to learn from those maybe failures that that's going to come from a decision that you made, but you, at least you made a decision. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a decision can be to make not, to not make a decision just to be neutral or to hold off on something. That's still a decision. That yeah, I was going to say, that's such a complicated concept. <laughs> so when you say that's like, well, maybe the best decision is to not make a decision. Well, but you actually did make a decision because you decided not to move forward with something. So it's kind of like, well. I, yeah, it's kind of a weird oxymoron type of Yeah, thing. exactly. You know, but, but what I'm saying is if you sit there and you say, I don't know, and you're just making no decision whatsoever, that's not a leader. That's just being very wishy-washy mm -hmm. and that's not something that people would really get behind, you know, but if you say, well, I think we need to hold off until tomorrow, let's hold off until tomorrow, or let's get this more piece of, inf this piece of information that we still need in order to make the best decision that we can, you know? Yeah. I like that framework so much better because it's not a, I don't know, it's, I am missing a specific piece of information or this is not the right time to make the decision. So you are deciding on specific parts of that, but it's not just this, like you said, the wishy-washy, well, I don't know what to do. It's like, no, I, I need more information. I need this, or I need to be able to have that part of it in order to make a good decision. And that, that in and of itself is a decision-making process. That's right, that's right. And, and um, that's a strong decision, right? And so I think sometimes what happens with leaders is that they, they forget or 
just don't even realize how their actions are being watched mm-hmm. all of the time. And so I always say there's two things that you need to do to make your decisions. And one is to have honesty and, and be honest, be an honest person and have a great moral compass because you need to make every decision with integrity. Sometimes the integrity can be the, the thorough knowledge that you're bringing to this issue that you have to make a decision on. But having integrity is something that I think is respectful. It, it helps you to earn the respect of people that you're leading and is very, very critical in, in um, your success or failure. You know, Did you make that decision with any integrity? What was mm. behind that decision? Is there a reason, a strategy, a, a purpose? Sometimes you don't know what it is and sometimes you can't tell people what that is. You know, you can't say I had to make a decision because my employee is an alcoholic. I mean, you, you know, yep. there's like HIPAA violations sometimes that, you know, you can't yep. Yep. put out, right? Um, and it's just, you don't want to say, oh, you're on a need to know basis. You just, you know, but you, you do need to make important decisions. And if you can follow that moral compass and like with respect for compassion for a human, you know, then you can make better decisions. Okay, so it was is moral compass the, you said there's two things you needed in making decisions so is moral compass the first one what would be the second one or was it honesty uh, and, is the first and one honesty. and then moral compass is the second yeah i think it kind of like mixed together into integrity i think that okay. sort of mixed into what integrity would be but yeah having a moral compass which means that you care for people you know you you have ethics you can you know you're you're a human that can care about another human i just think and having of course, good values, you know, making decisions on values is also a critical thing. But I, I think that that's where I get into decisions that are made willy nilly, where there's no re- rhyme or reason. And it's just because a leader made a decision that day that was on a whim. And that's yeah. what employees hate, you know, they that's very frustrating to them. And it's also because um, yeah, they never know how that leader is going to feel on any given day. And they don't know how they're going to act on any given day. And there's no stability. Yes. And they need people need stability to yep. follow. They want something. And, and you know, inside there's many times like I deal with PR crisis, crises all a lot. You know, that's mm. really what my field is. It's a very stressful, crisis filled field. Right. And it's right up there with um, surgeons and um, maybe I mean police work, I'm sure, because you have to make a decision quickly and you have to, you know, diffuse the situation. And there's a lot of crises that I've had to handle. And sometimes what happens in that is that um, inside you're like really shaking inside. You may be emotional even over some crisis that is happening, but on the outside, you have to remain cool, calm and collected. And that's, that's 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 really tough. Yeah, that's really tough. All right. Yeah. So actually, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more because of our cancel culture. It's so relevant. And man, that maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll have time. Let's save that for the end because I really want to dive into a little bit of this understanding if, if somebody's listening and they are more of an introvert and they need to be a stronger leader, what would you say to that individual and how should they go about developing some of their, well, leadership is influence. So how would they go about developing more of their influence? Well, you know, someone asked me that the other day, a young lady who is going into marketing said, how can I be, how can I have more authority? Mm. And I said, well, define what you mean by, what do you mean by more authority? She goes, I would like people to listen to me. I said, oh, okay. So you want to be able to have your directives or your ideas be heard. Um, And she, I think she wanted to just be respected and 
and have people follow her. And she wanted, she was asking about leadership, really. Mm-hmm. I said to her, well, you were born with two ears and one mouth. And the say, as the saying goes, you have to do a lot more listening and not as much talking. So when you do have something to say, people will listen. So sometimes the people that are really, really outgoing and extroverted and they like to talk a lot, they like to hear themselves talk and they're just talking. <laughs> um, but if you really are strategic in what you have to say and you're, you're speaking from a point of view that has integrity, that has teeth, that has, you know, coming from a position of strength, from knowledge, everything that you're bringing to that table, then you're going to be more and more uh, respected, but also turned to, you'll be the person, you're like the go-to person. If you wanna become that go-to person, then when they do come to you, like, what are you doing? What can you bring? I always say to my employees, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution. <laughs> right. You know? And it's because I just don't want them dumping their problems onto me, which is fine. That's my role, right? I get that. But even if they use their brain a little bit to just come up with a solution, even if it's not going to work, it shows me that you have cared, that you have taken the time, that you're helping maybe take something off my plate. And isn't that what leadership is all about? It's about leading yourself. You know, I love that you said that. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to be a leader of yourself. No, um, this is something that I kind of want people to take away, but I always say, you have to be yourself. You have to be authentic. You can't be a carbon copy of someone that you either admire or read about. You can be influenced by all of that. So to answer your earlier question, how can someone become a better leader? I say, read up about other leaders. Like look what you do, Tim. You read all kinds of books. You know, you you're reading about their leadership style. You're not trying to be Tony Dun- Dungy, you know, but you're Tim Kroll, and so you have to be authentically Tim Kroll. You can't be Tony. You can't be somebody else, right? So take all that you can and mold yourself into what you can become because it's not going to happen overnight. And I know people say, well, some people are born leaders. They're natural. I think they're natural leaders. Um, you know, I, I look back and I say, wow, think about all the things that I have led over my years. You know, if I'm involved in something, then I become the president. Like, oh, God, how did that happen? You know, it's not like I just say I'm going to wake up tomorrow and go be president of something. But it's just because I care about that organization. I've been I, I mm-hmm. pay my dues, totally pay my dues in whatever organization I've been in. And then I really put my skills to work. So some of my skills are communication skills listening skills, strategic skills. I want to know the direction the company, the organization's going in. Um, and then I'll help them get there because I have ways that we know we can slice and dice the tactics that are going to get us there. And that's the strategy, you know, that we can employ. Yeah. So I, it's yeah. amazing that you're talking all of these things here, but I think one of the key elements is it comes down to, let me see if I, I'm translating what you said, see if I'm, I'm, I'm going to regurgitate a little bit here, but it comes down to the fact of, you have to have the foundation and you have to have the confidence that you have a solid foundation because by those two things, because you're talking about your moral compass and honesty, and I know you're talking about decision-making process, but that's really part of leadership as well. So if you have that foundation, your core values, but then have confidence knowing that you've put the work in, you put the effort in, and that confidence creates a different attitude when you go about leading others because you're coming from a place of authority. 
rather than, well, why don't they just listen to me? Well, did you do the work? Did you put in the time? Did you, do you have a foundation? Are you being authentic? I, I, and I love how you're kind of putting all that together um, in ways that's just really, really incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think about people that you know that you might have served on a board with. They have, mm-hmm. They're blowhards or they just want to hear themselves talk or they want to blow something up by, by bringing up some sort of, um, you know, uh, issue that doesn't belong at the board level. Right. Right. Um, and that can be something that can be dealt with offline. Why are you bringing this up in front of all these people? You know, why? What is that? What is that doing for the good or mission of this group? Right. And of course, there's all kinds of things that you can fix. Like you can fix your character traits. You can work on them, but you really have to have that good foundation to, to be able to have the shoulders that are strong enough to carry that organization forward. Yep. You know, yeah. um, and I'm not talking about physical structure. I'm just talking about you know your brain, really. You know, yeah. and and really, I kind of I guess it also comes down to your stomach. You know, your constitution, right? <laughs> that's strong, true. Enough? <laughs> strong enough gut, you know. Strong enough gut. You know, because sometimes that's what it comes down to as well. I mean, you and and when you're faced with something and you have to have the the confidence to go forward, take that risk. How do you take a risk? You know, yeah. how do you know that you can take a risk? Someone has had to allow you to take a risk in the past, you know? Like I, I laugh and say, I was brought up by two parents who were deaf. My father was deaf at three months and my mom was hard of hearing in one ear. And all five kids, we don't have any problems, you know, with our hearing. Um, but when we were kids, we had to step up and do things for our parents that no other kid had to do. Like, mm. you know, oh, Betty, can you make a phone call to the... Uh, gas company because they're at my bills wrong you know well I had to do that you mm. know and I was probably 10 <laughs> you wow. know got my gas company I you know I have people today that don't even want to pick up the phone and and make any phone calls and they're 20 something years old because they just had never had I say because they don't have the opportunity sure they're doing texting and and emailing but to actually get on a phone and talk to someone they're they're deathly afraid of it you know, that's so just does the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's just the generation. But to me, that's like a leadership thing. You're in a field now that you're going to have to do that. So I have to give them the opportunity to succeed or fail in that task. So would you say that the where does the power of choice come from? The power of choice is actually the name of a book that I read in the 1980s that changed my life. I was not happy in a marriage. I was not happy in a business that I was working in. I was working for a crazy man and married to a crazy man. <laughs> so, but um, a gay guy gave me this book and I think it maybe changed his life because he read it and that, you know, you're talking the late eighties now, it wasn't really that big, you know, to come out and, and that sort of mm. thing. So he handed me that book and he said, this is going to change your life. Well, actually it did. It is a book that tells you that you have to assume responsibility for every single one of your choices. So if I'm upset that my boss is crazy, that's my problem, right? Why am I allowing his craziness to interfere with my work, you know? Um, The other thing was that I was completely stressed out. I was driving, you know, very far to get to this job every single day, you know, over 45 miles, one way. So, and in a crazy, stressful environment of driving, Boston area, you Mm -hmm. know? And so... I I read the book and it's basically saying, so what's stopping me from getting up one hour early and going to a pond with a cup of coffee and sitting there and enjoying 
the swans that are swimming around that pond. Like, no, I was caught up in this like cycle of work, 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 you know? And what's stopping me from saying, I need to take some time to just enjoy that. And then on the way back, I discovered this really cool, um, like a, a road that went through the Blue Hills. It's the Blue Hills of Canton. Mm -hmm. and, and the minute you drive on this road, it's like, there's all these tall trees and you start to smell pine. And it reminded me of like a summer house that we had and just lovely time. So every night I would drive home that way. I would get off the highway a little bit, go off on the blue hills and then pick up the highway in the bad section again and go off, you know? So I realized that this is a way that you can improve everything in your life by realizing you have a choice of how you're going to act. And one of the stories in the book is if I told you tomorrow that you're, you could get a million dollars, all right? And all you have to do is show up in Hawaii tomorrow and get a million dollars. I mean, I'm sure this is not the, this is, I'm just paraphrasing. because I Yeah, I got, you. I got you. But all right, tomorrow you got to go to Hawaii and you live in, um, where do you live again, Tim? Like Iowa? I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Okay. All right. This is great. Uh, you have to go to Hawaii tomorrow, but a giant snowstorm is going to come in tonight. So what is it right now? It's like, say, two o'clock in the afternoon and you have to be there by seven o'clock in the morning and a giant snowstorm's coming in tonight. What are you going to do? What would you do to get that million dollars? All you have to do is show up at the airport. You know, what would you do? Are, are you asking me? I'm, I'm asking not... you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't quite sure if this was a sport yeah. story part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of things that we already know as far as Northern Michigan. Um, people drive through the snow no matter what. So if we know that there's a storm coming and we plan and we dust, we adjust and we do things, it's just part of who we are and how we live with the, I'll call it a challenge because that's really what it is. Every part of the country deals with weather. They deal with different types of weather and people think we're crazy because I, I already know because I've had this experience. Mm -hmm. If there's a storm coming in and we've got to be somewhere, then we just make adjustments and we plan and we're going to leave early and uh, we drive down to Detroit because we can usually get out of uh, the airport in Detroit, but that's a four hour trip. So we got to start going now and figure it out as you go there. You got it. You got People it. People think I'm crazy though, because we, we live in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> See, the point is, is that you made choices and you said, okay, that is important. I made that a choice. I'm choosing that that is important. And right. so I'm going to do all of these steps to make sure that I am there, you know, a half an hour early, even, you mm -hmm. know, to get my million dollars. So the concept in the book is, but why do you not do that for a business meeting mm -hmm. that you're having in, in tomorrow? You know, so you're not going to get a million dollars. Maybe you might get a contract, you know, that's really great from it, but why are you not going through all those steps? Right. You yep. only did that because it was a giant reward over there. But what about, you know, going to dinner with your family or doing this or whatever? Why are you not treating everything like it's important the way it should be important, right? Oh, boy, that just changed my whole entire outlook on life. And um, I didn't. It's the, yeah, it's the concept of this. And this is what's so crazy. The world tells us to celebrate the stage because that's what they celebrate. But the reality of what you're talking about with the power of choice is we should really be celebrating our small steps, our daily actions. That's what we need to celebrate because we can let the world celebrate the stage. That's going to happen. We know that's going to happen, but the yeah. world doesn't know how much hard work you put in on a daily basis, showing up all the time, 45 minutes early, leaving, whatever, whatever that work is. That's the key. That's the part that I think that's what you're talking to in regards yeah. to the power of the choice. 
Yeah. And like, why are you going to run into a meeting 10 minutes late and be all, you know, back when we could meet in person, you mm. know, but you'll be all discombobulated and stressed out when you could be there 10 minutes early and be relaxed and be ready, get your mindset. Prepped. Yep. Go prep, go have a nice cup of tea or do something nice for yourself. Yep. You know, like, so um, that's the power of choice. And to me, where it comes into leadership is how are you leading yourself with those kinds of things? You know, I say to my employees, like, why do you not come in early? And you know, catch up on email before you actually have to start at nine. Right. Why do you hear at nine o nine o nine o'clock point three seconds? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> nine 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 a.m. and three seconds. <laughs> and three seconds, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the five o'clock goes off. You know, it doesn't mean that your work stops at five o'clock. Mostly in our field. You know, this is the field that I'm in, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we're saying, what are you doing to lead yourself? Are you reading anything about? the latest things. I mean, I've had people who've worked for me that have told me that they do not even own a television set. Mm. So how can you advise your clients on broadcast television, which is something that we have to place our clients on. And uh, maybe you're looking at it on a laptop, I hope, but I know it's okay that you don't own a TV now, but can you yeah, tell Like me? a couple of years ago, that would have been a big deal. Now I'm thinking yeah. like, wait a minute, I don't, yeah. I don't watch tv either i don't do any yes. of this. well we got hulu and we got all these yeah i got you correct, correct. it's changing it's definitely changing yeah but you still in our field like you still have to know about that so can mm -hmm. you tell me what the reporter is that covers health for that particular station you know probably not because you're not consuming the media you know yep. we have to consume news media in our field so you know that's what i'm saying about leadership i feel like there are things that we can always do i mean the the journey is long you know the leadership journey is something that is long yeah uh, but I well, do that's, that's where you're talking about the foresight you know looking three yeah. years down the road you're planning on the, so yes yeah, so there's a lot of awesome things so um, let, let me do a recap real quick and then because uh, you said the one thing is just to, um, to lead yourself that was like your one main takeaway but the recap is whew, there's a lot of stuff on the recap <laughs> so I'm not sure we want to do that you might have to go back and listen to it the second time but just some really cool things that stepped out is just the power of choice to be able to um, learning how to train your staff and um, identifying who the next leader was which was all about the foresight aspect of the of the uh, you know bringing somebody in for three years making decisions the moral compass um, moving through with authority, uh, obviously coming in that authenticity that you were talking about and leading yourself, um, that gives you the power to be able to influence others. So out of those things, is there something that I missed that you say, hey, you need to make sure that if you haven't listened to anything else, you need to take this and write this one thing down? Well, being the power of choice also has to do with accountability. So of course we love accountability, which is great. No, we don't love accountability. Love to be honest. I don't love <laughs> <Yeah>. accountability. <laughs> well, you, well, you and I love it. Yeah, but you know, you're right. Um, Admitting you're wrong sometimes when you are wrong. Oh my gosh, that is huge. Yeah. That's this power in that. Okay. Great power in being accountable. Um, but I would say the journey is uniquely the leaders. It's uniquely yours, mm. but you know, it's a journey that you do not have to take alone. So it's a journey that is yours, but it's something that you do not have to take alone. So what I would hope that people would take away from this is, Besides working on yourself, besides working on whatever character traits that you feel like, you know, you need to work on, like if you need to be a little bit more outgoing or be okay with being accountable, maybe um, I had to learn how to give praise. That was mm. something that I wasn't really totally comfortable with. It wasn't kind of always coming out of my mouth. So I had to realize that I didn't want to keep giving criticism. I wanted to give praise. 
and that that was also that's a, that's a really big one now you mentioned yeah. it because that's it's one of the love languages that some people feed on is the words of affirmation mm-hmm. and a lot of people miss that so that's a that's a big one yeah that is huge i found it uh, a big difference in my leadership style when I was able, I, and I think the reason is I tried to find out why was I, why was I not doing this? Cause I'm a nice person. What do you mean? I'm not like giving someone praise, you know? Um, I would think it, but it was harder for me to say it. But at the time I felt like I was young and I sometimes had people who were older than me and I didn't want to make them feel like I was trying to be like their boss so much. Yeah. I was trying to be more of a friend boss than a, a boss boss, you know? But um, I did learn pretty quickly that that was not something that was going to fly. So you do have to praise them and if you can praise them publicly in front yeah, of others I agree. yeah fantastic 100 percent, 100 percent. but when i say it's not yours to go alone i say it's lonely at the top because you can't really go to your employees and say oh can you help me with this sometimes you know you, you because you can't but you can find peers you can find coaches you can find mentors others in your field mm. network with other business people um and then you can just enjoy the journey. Try to enjoy the journey as much as you can, because you're going to look back and say, wow, I've really grown as a leader. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would love for people to do. I would love to inspire people to, to grow on their own, uh, uh, you know, and yeah. that's what I would love. Yeah. That's a true leader right there. <laughs> Inspiring <laughs> other people to grow. I mean, that's exactly what it's all about. So, well, um, how can people get in touch with you? Cause I know you do a great job of PR and this is my plug for you. Cause you've done a, a case study. I know you're going to be working on some other case studies for me as well, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot more that you do than just case studies, but how can people get in touch with you to learn more about PR public relations and some of the marketing aspects? I can be reached by email. That's one way. So Betty B E T T Y at Newberry PR. That's N E W B E R R Y P R.com. So Betty, and we'll have that in the notes as well. So we'll make sure that it's there. Awesome. And uh, so obviously NewberryPR.com is my website. So that's another way. I'm on LinkedIn. And that's another great way to find me business-wise. Of yeah, course, that's how we connected originally. So that's perfect. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Awesome. All right. So one of the questions I like to pop out all of a sudden, just like cannonball, drop it on your lap. What book would you recommend? And if I only had to say one, and then everybody always comes back and says, well, I can't just give you one. And that's okay if you can't just give me one. But what, what's a book that you would recommend? Well, I'm really glad I mentioned that other book earlier because that's definitely one, The Power of Choice. The Power that's of Choice, yeah. Great book. Oh, my, you know, a life-changing book. But I would say The Four Agreements mm. by Don Ruiz, yep. R-U-I-Z. That book is a weird read. I agree. I'm glad you said that because I felt the same way when I read it. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. But what you take away is for your business and your life. So it's the four agreements. Um, I know them, but it's be impeccable with your word. Don't take it personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. But those four things are explained in the book a little bit further. So you can, you know, get a better understanding in the context of I know it's based on some ancient like Mayan thing, you know, whatever, mm. but, um, but just those four things have really are, are a great way to live in your business and in your life. So I would say, if you're going to read one more book, read the four agreements. That's cool. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, I want to say thanks. Um, make sure you stay on the line here. Cause I will talk in the green room afterwards, but um, I wanted to say thank you because this really, 
it's it's something that's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse and the introvert type aspects because I'm obviously an extrovert. I love to talk. So I'm glad that we were able to have this chance and kind of talk and get the different personalities. And I, I find it so powerful to be able to have other people resonate with somebody that is very close. And I love that you shared this stuff today. Um, so again, thank you very much. Um, we're going to close out. So if you have anything left to say, go ahead and say it now. Now's your last chance. <laughs> No, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it so much. It was fun. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So until next time, we'll see you guys. Have a great day. Make it an awesome day. We'll see you soon. I wanted to say thanks again for joining into our conversation. You know, one of the things that I've seen across the board, whether you're a business leader, owner, entrepreneur, or even a leader, is the struggles that we go through and feeling like we're all alone. We've created a class a workshop type class called MentorMind, where we meet for six months. In that six months, you were able to meet and talk with other people that are going through much of the same situation, same scenarios, same challenges, and it gives us a great way to be able to connect, grow, support, and encourage each other. And if you've often felt like there's no one else that you can share with, let me invite you to MentorMind, where you can share some of the challenges, come up with solutions, and be able to live the best life that you have. We'll talk soon, guys. Hey, so bonus content. Uh, every once in a while, I love doing this, but I have a really intriguing question just because it so fits with our culture of things that are going on right now. And since Betty is in the PR game, I'm sure she has dealt with this topic multiple times with situations and things that have gone up. So I'm going to ask this question and I'm just going to allow her to respond to it. But if you are a leader, I am 100% sure you have thought and rethought and reconsidered some of the tweets, some of the social posts, some of the things that have come out of your mouth because of cancel culture. And so we're going to just approach this topic and I want to ask Betty the question directly, how do you lead in a cancel culture situation when you know what you need to say, but yet at the same time, you may not be able to say it or how do you then tactfully say it? And this could, I, I know we're kind of running tight on time, so this might have to be short, but at the same time, this is a really powerful topic to talk about as a leader. How do you lead in a time of cancel culture? Good question. It's a real tough challenge for people to filter themselves. And that's really what we're talking about here is filtering, right? So when you're talking about communication and you're communicating to people that are not listening because they have their own biases and you have your own personal bias and you're, or you may even be unaware, completely unaware of how you're coming across. It's really difficult to put together good communications today, especially in a cancel culture. Now, if you're talking about social media, that's a little bit more on the instant side. Mm -hmm. So I would say, write something, but don't just go right ahead and start doing it from your phone. You know, write it, look at it, look, choose your words carefully. That's really what it's going to come down to in terms of communicating. Because one, one word that maybe is mistaken for something else can cause a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to be, again, we talked about leading with uh, compassion, leading with respect, leading with, you know, being okay with being human. And right now this is the world that we're in, which, you know, is, is a real challenge. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm for it, you know, uh, 
it's it's a lot of emotional discussion going on with what pay, paying for sins of the fathers um seeing what's going on today you know i mean uh, and i'm saying that just in a uh, general sense well let me let me just take the politics out of it because i see both sides you know and i'm seeing things happen on both sides and i see people reacting on both sides i mean the most famous one right now is lebron uh he posted out basically to put a hit out on somebody and the world completely reacted to it. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm saying he reacted emotionally and that's the topic. It's not about, are you left or are you right? Are you, I don't want to go down that road at all, but I really want to be able to address this topic from a, a leader's position because we do have these emotions. We do have these wants to be able to react. And I've seen, okay, so let's just take the other side. We've seen president Trump tweet some really dumb stuff and some really uh, emotionally charged type tweets. So we've got LeBron on one side and Trump on the other side. And we're looking at the, I, I mean, like, oh my goodness, how do we keep our control as leaders? Well, I think we have to go back to that authenticness and your values. Mm. Say, what values do you stand for as a person, but also um, what values are you, does your, the organization or business that you are leading stand for? Because that's mm. really what's the key. Um, if, if Donald Trump was thinking more about what the country of America and the values of America are, he probably wouldn't be writing his own personal things. It's a, it's a personal tweet that he was doing. Right. You know, he had his own, I, I, I just can't imagine his PR team working with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and I think the same thing with LeBron too. I mean, like how can, how can somebody do that kind of, and again, I'm not trying to say that, you know, I think they're both wrong just to be completely frank. I think they're both completely wrong. Um, yes. And so let me ask this question, especially as we look at it. So we've talked about authenticity. We've talked about being true in as far as who you are, but at the same time in a cancel culture situation, I, it, it seems like that's a real tenuous type of situation. Like, okay, we need to be authentic, but this is me, Trump, I'm texting and he's authentic. LeBron, he's authentic and he's typing. And yet. Yeah, because they weren't real. They weren't realizing that they're standing for the organization that they represent. Mm. They were just all about themselves. So again, going back to that moral compass, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, what we might believe, like I would have um, this board that I was on, I had my board pledge to do the right thing for the organization and maybe recuse themselves from a vote, for mm -hmm. example. You know, um, so because it didn't represent the values of that particular organization. You personally may not like uh, who's in charge of the country or you know what else is going on. Um, well, it's okay, we respect that recuse yourself from this, but we're asking you to wear that hat of the organization. Mm. And that's what people can't do. They can't separate their personal from their, their organization's values. Right. And um, yeah, I'll be and, honest with you. I struggle with that aspect because <laughs> I fully have, every time I've coached, I've seen personal life have a direct impact on the business and vice versa. So personal things that are going on inside of your life, whether it's a divorce or uh, you're going through a hard time, it's very difficult to untwine or separate that personal life from your business aspect because your business takes on your personality and your characters. That's right. But if you were going through a divorce and you were, uh, you say you're, I'm just going to say a guy going through a divorce, hating women right now. Well, mm -hmm. you're not going to go into your business and all of a sudden start hating all the women that are in there. You know, I mean, I hope not, you know, I hope no one would do that. Um, or be that misogynistic person, you know, that goes in and does write some tweets and then gets, Guess the whole exactly I agree with right? that totally yeah. agree so, with that yeah so that's what i'm saying you got to lead yourself you got to remember um when to when to call out the emotion when not to i mean i love that you just brought it back down to leading yourself because i think that's key absolutely key mm -hmm. and 
LeBron and Trump, they're public figures. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I don't agree with some public figures going, uh, any, any public figure really, unless they're being, for a reason that they're doing this, is to go out and try to like, you know, put their personal views out on something. And mm -hmm. that's usually what causes some of the trouble, right? And we right, right. back on that. So, um, because I really feel that the president should be presidential. That's yeah. what I personally feel, you know, I would be making sure that if I were the, the PR person behind the strategist behind that communication, I would say it's for the country, you're, you're representing the country on the world stage, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so some of them, some of these celebrities are also on the world stage, yep. Yep. you know, and I just don't think that politics belongs in sports personally. You know, that's what yeah. I feel, you know? Yeah. So but, let's, um, let's drop it back down. Cause nobody, I, what there's, handful of individuals that will ever be a president there's a handful yes. of individuals that will ever be a nba basketball star in real life we're talking about business owners that i mean small businesses anybody that owns a business and has less than 500 employees mm -hmm. we have hundreds of thousands of small businesses and hundreds of thousands of leaders and i, and I, I we're going to go back to the exact same thing it's really about how do you lead yourself and how do you lead as a servant leader and i think that's so true um at one point, at some point, and I mean, this is just part of what I've seen as far as leadership. Sometimes you can't control what the culture is going to do. You can only control your reaction to it, which is, again, going back to some of the power of choice. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. But on the lower level, it's really, truly about learning to lead yourself and growing as an individual. It is. And it's realizing that, I mean, taking the lesson, say, from like the presidency. Sure, we're not going to be the president of the United States, but we are going to run our church group or our, you know, our mm -hmm. um, business or whatever it is. And it's not, it, it may, maybe those people are, that are running those organizations are not in touch with what the values are of that organization. You yeah. know, it's like the business owner can feel that they can just do whatever they want. I'm the owner of the business. I can, I can tweet this. I can put this out. Um, there was an owner that stopped serving donuts to cops or something because, you know, they hated cops or some sort of a thing. Again, that's bringing your personal thing into your business. Yep. And, what I'm trying to say is um, that maybe they're not in touch with what the values are of the business. Yeah, and I think that's really, really key as a leader yeah, is yeah. you've got to put together your core values, your mission yeah. statement as a company, as a business, right? And I, I, some of the stuff that I can actually go back and refer back to Zappos, great core values, great mission, great. They are all, I love what they, Tom's Shoes, that's another great company because they all, they give away, there's sock companies that do this. I mean, there's a lot of different people that are exemplary in that. Unfortunately, we only hear about the negative. We don't necessarily always hear about the positive. True. So the two aspects, and I love where you're going with that. Number one is you've got to understand and lead yourself. You got to personally lead yourself. Number two is you've got to be clear, crystal clear now more than ever, what are the values of your company? What's the mission and the purpose of your company? Yeah, what do you stand for, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can align yourself with whatever is out there going on in, in uh, cancel culture or not, you know? Yeah, love that. Um, yeah, so that's really what it comes down to. It's pretty simple, but it's complex <laughs> yeah. at the same time, right? Because yeah. it's our own, you know, we're all living it and, and um, we may or may not agree with it, but we have to live with it and we have to act. And sometimes yep. we have to act. And I agree, what, totally agree. What, I also say acting, you own it. Now just own what you're going to do yep. own it and be ready for whatever consequences come positive I, or negative. Yeah. Couldn't have said that any better. I love that. Absolutely love it. Thank you for taking the extra time. We're going to give this out as bonus material and say, Hey, cause I think it's really relevant. It's really, really important. So yeah. Great question. All right. All right. Until next time. Thanks. Thank you, Betty, for staying a little long. Appreciate it. <laughs>